0: I love the way we are worshiping this morning. So thankful that you are here. Today we finished the book of of 1 Peter. But I want to make it plain here about this book that Peter is writing this in the beginning of their troubled times. And and quite frankly, things don't get better after the book is finished. It takes a while. And here's what I want us to work with this morning. The greatest challenge for us of troubled times is in the middle before the end is in sight. That's the most difficult time. If you're working on a project at home or in school or at work, and you started it with great enthusiasm, but right now you're in the middle of it and you really can't see the completion of it, that's the most discouraging time. I understand from people that run marathons. They're trying to get to 26.2 miles. It's really exciting at the beginning. and There's so much fanfare about starting. And then there's fanfare at the finish line. But about mile 16, mile 17, right in between, when the end's not in sight, then you're worn out is the moment you hit that wall. And that's what Peter's concerned about in this book. He's concerned about these people and us finishing strong you see guys that's the problem to me with this pandemic there's there's not an end in sight I'd do a whole lot better if you told me it was January 1st or even June 1st but right now we can't see this so Peter calls us to finish strong now this this should have been self-evident to me but this book has written, meant so much more to me studying it this time. I've read it dozens of times. But, but here's the reason it's meant more is because I've read it through the eyes of Peter. That should be sort of self-explanatory. Peter wrote the book, but I just sometimes just go through it, you know, just look into the facts. But it's Peter who writes it. It's like reading those incredible volumes of the history of World War II by Winston Churchill and not reading them through the eyes of Winston Churchill. It changes everything. And this book has changed to me and come alive to me because as Peter calls us to finish strong, I can take it from him because he failed. He failed and he failed and he failed and he failed and he got up and got up and got up. And we're going to see today he finishes strong. And he wants us to. And today in chapter five, as he closes out, he's gonna give us some of the key elements of him finishing strong. Uh, first of all, he had a shepherd to shepherd him. Jesus was the the chief shepherd, and Jesus came alongside him. Now we don't think about the term shepherd much in in our day because we don't I don't know any sheep shepherds here. Anybody? I mean we we don't have that. But in the Bible it's the number one model of leadership. Why? Because a shepherd lived among the people. He wasn't above the people. He lived among the people. He guided them. He corrected them. He encouraged them. I think of one of those moments in in Peter's life, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus asked this all-important question. Who do you say I am? This is the first moment they they recognize who he is. And it's Peter of all people. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, got it, Peter. God's going to bless you for that. And then Jesus says, okay, God, let me tell you what kind of Lord I am. I'm going to die on a cross. And Peter says, no way. Takes Jesus to the side, rebukes him. The cross is not in the script. And Jesus is so angry, he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You obviously don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So he encourages him, he rebukes him right there in the same story. So he's, he's got a, a shepherd to guide him. He's got... Prayers to rescue him. Favorite story of Peter is Jesus is walking on water toward their boat, and they wake up, they think it's a ghost, and then Peter sees it's Jesus, and impetuous Peter says, Jesus, just command me, just give me permission. I'll come out there. I can do what you're doing. And Jesus says, Well, come on. Then he comes down and he starts walking. Let's give him a little credit here. He walks on the water. And then he sees the big waves. He's never even water skied. I um, mean, he sees the big waves and he begins to get nervous about it and anxious about it and takes his eyes off Jesus and he puts them on the waves and he sinks. I mean, he thinks he's going to drown. I'm talking about anxiety. And all he's, he's just got a two-word prayer. He doesn't even remember to say in Jesus' name. He just says, save me. And one of my favorite verses of all the Bible, Scripture says in Matthew chapter 14 that Jesus stuck his hand out immediately and picked him up. And then we see that he also had warnings from Jesus of an enemy to alert him. Before he undergoes this temptation around the cross of Jesus, which he fails, Jesus says, and I'm going to tell you, Peter... Satan's coming after you and he's going to sift you like wheat. You you need to know this. He's heard Jesus say before, there's a thief in your life that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he he gets those warnings. And then let's, let's go a little further. He also experiences the grace of God. He's restored by God's grace. I love when he gave that warning about The sifting at the end of that passage, Jesus says to Peter, "But when you return, I know you're going to screw it up, bad Peter. But you're coming back. And then when Jesus resurrects from the dead, and he's Peter's denied Jesus, and you think, man, Jesus does not want to see my face. Peter, the angel at the tomb says this. I love this three words of hope. Jesus wants to see the apostles, blanket, and Simon." Peter. I want to see Peter. Peter needed that. He restores him in that beautiful scene in John chapter 21. And then he's given him glory to await him. He's given Peter glimpses on the Mount of Transfiguration. He sees Jesus in all of his glory. What does the word glory mean? In our language, it means magnificent. It means absolutely beautiful. In biblical language, it, it actually means heavy. In the sense that you get the whole impact of the glory of God. You see how beautiful and magnificent God is. And Peter been given that. And as he writes this book of 1 Peter, if you're just going to go through, just circle the word glory over and over again. Because he understands that glory. So Peter finishes strong because God gave him all of those things. And here's what he's doing in chapter 5. He's saying, I want that for you too. So let's go let's just walk through the chapter first Peter chapter 5 let's read verses 1 through 5 he says to the elders among you I appeal to you as a fellow elder Peter was an elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also share in the glory to be revealed be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care watching over them not because you must but because you're willing as God wants you to be Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, that's the rest of us, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. First thing, he wants you to know that you have shepherds to guide you. Jesus is the chief shepherd. And now in every church that's established in the first century, the apostles go around and they appoint elders. I really prefer that term, shepherds. Elder describes maturity, shepherd describes function. He says a shepherd is not a dictator, he's not a boss, It's not a board of directors. Shepherds are people who live among you as one famous book says an elder should smell like sheep They're among you they guide you they direct you they correct you and so he's saying we all need that Because none of us are gonna make it to heaven by ourselves and every one of us needs some people Who find themselves in a position actually of authority above us? To help us along that way, and that's why he says you got to submit. I mean, even in Peter's day, we we, we run this word submit over and over again. We don't like it. But Peter knew for you to be successful, you had to do it. You had to submit. We sure don't like it in our independent American way of life where our position is, ain't nobody telling me what to do, not even in church. And what a cry and shame. That's why Peter has to say, you need, guys, before you come to church, don't worry about your suit and tie or if your pants are pressed, or if your dress looks just right or your jewelry, clothe yourself with humility. I like one writer said, if humility was the only clothes we have, what would you be wearing to church today? I'm afraid there'd be a lot of us start naked. He says, you've got to be humble because you've got to be that person who lives under the chief shepherds and the under shepherds. Because this has been hard even through this pandemic to go, okay, I don't necessarily agree with this, but I'm going to submit to the shepherds. It's always been hard to us. For years, our shepherds have said to us, we are responsible for your growth. The Bible actually says that one day we will give an account to God for how you are. And the shepherds have said, in order for you to be strong, we'd love you to be in a worship service every week, some kind of Bible study in some kind of small group. I ask you, do you submit? They're the ones looking over your soul. So, he says, to finish strong, you need shepherds to guide you. And then look at verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Here's one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see, it's this humility that leads to prayer. You want to find out how humble you are, how dependent you are on God? Look at your prayer life. Because every time you get on your knees before God, you're saying, I can't handle it. And Peter says, you can do even better than that. You need to cast it on him. Now, Peter understands this because he was a fisherman. And he knew how to cast nets. And he knew that when you cast nets, you can't do it half-heartedly. You can't, you know, just barely do it or just can dump right there and do nothing for you. You've got to do it boldly, physically. You've got to cast it out. And he says, guys, you live in an age of anxiety. That's what I'm so excited about next week. You live in an age of anxiety. They did, we did. There's reasons to be anxious. But he says, what you do is you learn to cast it. I mean, that's for us. Here's what he's saying to you is, throw it on Jesus. Don't try to handle it yourself. So you get to this point in your prayer life where well, you can't figure things out and you don't like what's going on and for once you can't come up with the answers to solve this problem and you're at a dead end and here's what Peter says is okay just, just say God I can't handle this I don't understand this my solutions aren't working the only thing I can do is the best thing I can do is to just throw it on you and then Peter gives the answer listen closely why would you do that? when we're used to being in control, because he cares for you. Do you believe that? This is a game changer, guys. Do you believe that the God of heaven cares for you? He's concerned about what's going on. He's concerned about what's making you anxious. And so you throw it on him. So let's go to verses 8 and 9. Here's the warning. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. What's he saying? Everybody is being attacked by Satan. So he says, you've got to see this warning to alert you. You know, you know what the Bible says about Satan is he disguises himself as an angel of light. Our biggest problem with Satan is we don't recognize him. Too many of us are too blind to what he's doing. And when you're blind, you're vulnerable. It's like you're traveling in South Alabama and you're going through Philominton, Alabama. And you don't realize that for decades that's been a speed trap and so you just fly right through there like you do in every other little town but if someone's warned you man i've gotten tickets there slow down you do better and guys satan's not just trying to trip you up he's trying to put you in a landmine. and he's saying you need to be aware of that if you're going to be able to win because can i I ask you a question here how much do you think of the devil Do, do we really think he's real I mean, I've asked you this a moment ago, do you think God's care is real? On the other hand, I I want you to know, and I want you to recognize too, that the enemy is real and his attack is real. In fact, let me just give you a few of the devil schemes I'm seeing him doing a really good job with right now. First of all, deceit. He is the father of lies. And and what he'll do is he'll convince you that doing the right thing is wrong and doing the wrong thing is right. We, We live in a culture where the price tags have been changed. And things that God would say are evil and wrong, we say, oh, they're wonderful. And things that God says are good, we say are a bore. So he'll work through deceit. Can I just give an illustration here that shows how powerful Satan is? We live in a country right now where lots of people would accept it if I told you right now that I was a woman. I've just changed my mind about being a man. I just decided I don't want to be a woman. Or I've decided I want to be black. Or you decide you want to be white. Where we have very intelligent people that are saying, you can change that anytime you want to. And the rest of us have got to go, oh yeah, buddy. You, Please don't say this. You look like a woman, okay? I mean, can you can you believe that? That we could get that deceived that now even the creation story and the way God created us, that I can with just one sentence declare it's not true? Now, that's not the big deal in your life. That's not the big deal in my life. But I'm telling you, there are lots of other areas of your life where you're being just outright deceived about how you're living. How about discouragement? Can't deceive you, then he just gets you down. And wow, we live in that in-between time right now where many, many people I talk to are discouraged. Or how about this one, man? He loves to work through division. He loves to sow division in churches, especially. And guys, we live in the most divided time, maybe since the Civil War, in the history of our country. And man, we, we, we're about to blow up what I believe is the greatest country in the history of the world. It's got a lot of work that needs to be done, but we're about to blow it up if we're not careful because we don't want to see anybody else's viewpoint and we don't want to compromise on anything about anything. And guys, this is our opportunity that Peter's told us over and over for us to be the people that love each other despite our differences in the middle of this. And then if he can't get you that way, he just might make you spiritually dull. I talk to a lot of people right now, they're just lethargic. They're just lukewarm. It's like, I know what's right and wrong, and I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and I actually even believe he resurrected from the dead. But not just trying to make it from day to day. And then if he can't use any of those on you, He'll just distract you. He'll just get you obsessed about something that doesn't matter. And and, again, you you don't make an actual choice. I don't want to follow God. I don't want to be involved in church. I, I just become so busy that the important things are lost, that I'm obsessed about things that don't count. Because all of these lead to our final D here. You need to be shocked by this. He wants to devour you. So we need those warnings. If you're going to finish strong, because I'm telling you, there is no step along the way that Satan's not working on you. No step. And right now, if you thought about long enough, I guarantee you, you could name the scheme he's choosing with you right now. And then let's look at two more verses, we'll be over. Verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast amen to him be power forever and ever amen two more things he'll give you grace to restore you Peter. if anybody could write this and understand this why do you think peter's chosen to preach the first good news sermon because he gets grace because he's the guy that goofs up more than anybody else here's something hit me a long time ago it was revolutionary in my life jesus is the exact representation of God. When you see Jesus, you see God. Anytime you want to question what God's like, then go back to Jesus, okay? That's a safe bet. He he shows us God, okay? He shows us God. When I look at Peter, I see me. That's why we all love Peter. Because he makes so many mistakes. He still gets up. But here's what you need to look at, first of all, is the way God treated Peter is the way God is treating you, right? And and guys, what shocked me after growing up in church is that God treated Peter a whole lot better than I thought he would have. I thought he would have just said, man, get out of here, Peter, man. You make too many mistakes. You say too many stupid things, man. Sometimes you won't even say you know me. I mean, I think you're a nice guy. You got a pleasant personality, but you don't need to be an apostle, my goodness. But that's not what he does. He restores him, he gives him grace. And guys, if you're going to finish strong, you're going to have to have a good concept of grace. That God's not cutting you off, forgetting you, throwing you out, just because you've sinned. Now, you can't rebelliously sin and say, forget you, God, I'm going to do whatever I want to. That's a different story. But when you're just trying to make it through life like Peter, and you keep falling, and you keep getting up, and you keep going back to Jesus... He's going to restore you. That's one of the beautiful things. So right now you're thinking, well, I'm not going to finish strong, buddy, because let me tell you what I've been doing. If you'll come back to him, he'll restore you fully. He did, Peter. And then one more thing, there's there's glory that awaits you. This is is what Peter's saying to us this whole, whole book, is I know it's rough, I know the enemy's after you, I know the trials are severe. I know I could even describe it as fiery trials. But one day, everything's going to be made right. And you are going to experience the full weight of God's glory, God's love, God's compassion, God's care. In fact, he said back in chapter 4, when that day comes you're going to be overjoyed. That's a pretty weird word, isn't it? Overjoyed. It's going to be so good, you can't imagine it. You're not going to just be joyful, you're going to be overjoyful. And then in chapter 5, he's just told us, okay guys, let's get this thing in perspective. You are going to suffer for, for a little while. That's true, we all are. That's one of the first things we've got to accept. But there's eternal glory, Peter says. Eternal glory. This this is just a little bit. This is eternal glory that awaits you. And if you believe that, my friends, you can finish strong. So my challenge to you today from Peter as he finishes his book is God has equipped you to finish strong. The very same things that helped Peter make it through all of his mess available to help you and if right now you're not feeling that strong and you need this church to pray for you you see the number in here just drop us a quick text right now if you're online we'd invite you to drop us a text right now we want you to to be a part of our prayer life this week just drop us a text and say you know what i need strength to give up get up i need i need help with my anxiety level help me just cast this on jesus Help me to believe that God really cares for me. Lord, forgive me for not taking Satan for real because I've been blinded by his action. So please do that right now. I want us to sing an awesome song called Living Hope because that's what this book has all been about. If Peter knows if he can just give us hope, we can finish strong. And here's the good news as we close out. Peter... Finish strong in fact after this book is finished probably two years later Peter is executed because of his faith and catch this he's living in Rome he's a shepherd there his faith caught up with him and so they decide to crucify him and they take him outside of Rome to crucify him but here's the same waffling, weak Peter who's been changed. When they're about to crucify him, he says, Time out, guys. I don't feel worthy to die like Jesus. And so, what I would like you to do is, I would like you to crucify me upside down. So, Simon Peter, yes, Simon Peter is crucified, history says, upside down, out of Rome, because he wants to glorify Jesus. You talk about finishing strong. Now he's in the glory that he talked about over and over in that book. My friends, if we can grab hold of this hope, I don't care how rough it is in your life right now, and I know many of you, it's very rough. You can finish strong too. So let's stand together. Let's sing this song with all of our heart and celebrate the living hope we have in Jesus.